welcome to Crossview Radio, a weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. Well, I wanted to uh, take a few minutes today to uh, kind of loop back and do a uh, kind of concluding podcast of sorts on our recent apologetic study as a church. Uh, a few weeks ago, those of you who uh, listened to the interview I, I did with um, Jason Lyle, uh, recall that our church was going to be starting a four-part series on apologetics uh, that Jason Lyle produced. And uh, this last Sunday, we watched the last video in that series, and I wanted to kind of give uh, some follow-up, uh, some of my uh, reflections and thoughts on that, and hopefully this will be helpful to you, whether you are a member of Crossview Church and uh, saw that series, or whether you are uh, perhaps maybe uh, someone out of state or out of town or whatever, and uh, did not partake in that, but just maybe coming back to uh, doing some follow-up and some concluding thoughts in that area. So what I wanted to maybe start off just summarizing is Dr. Lyle in that video series is uh, basically advocating for presuppositional apologetics, and in particular, the argument used by presuppositionalists is the transcendental argument. A transcendental argument simply asks what preconditions are necessary in order for certain things to be true. So um, we might ask what is necessary in order for science or logic or morality to be true. And of course, we would respond that God and his word must be true in order for these other concepts to make sense. In other words, if God does not exist, you can't have uh, uniformity of nature. Uh, you can't have a um, uh, consistent uh, logic. You can't have those kinds of things. And in fact, this is exactly the argument that is put forward by Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, Solomon made the point that apart from God, all of his experience and his pursuit of pleasure was ultimately meaningless, or as he says it, vanity. What gave his experience and his pleasure and his work meaning was God. And so the book of Ecclesiastes really is a transcendental argument in that sense. Why is it that Solomon is so depressed in Ecclesiastes? Because he's demonstrating to us what a world without God looks like. Charles Bridges uh, comments on this reality and he says this, quote, May it not be that we are permitted to taste the bitter wormwood of the earthly streams in order that standing by the heavenly fountain, we may point our fellow sinners to the world of vanity we have left and to the surpassing glory and delights of the world we have newly found, end quote. And so Bridges uh, acknowledges that the book of Ecclesiastes is really Solomon taking us down to a bitter stream with the intent that we'll never want to go back to that stream again, and that we'll be able to point others to the uh, joys of heaven and the joy of actually including God in our thinking and in our thought processes. This is what a transcendental argument does. It shows that when you remove God from the picture, you are left with meaninglessness and vanity. And the hope is that the unbeliever would see that meaninglessness and repent and turn to Christ. 
I want to give you a second example from the Bible that I think uh, we can find a transcendental argument or a presuppositional apologetic, and that is Paul in Acts chapter 17 when he's reasoning with the pagan philosophers. Um, He quotes these pagan philosophers in verse uh, 28 of Acts 17 and says this, "...for in him we live and move and have our being." As even of your so, even some of your own poets have said, for indeed we are his offspring. So these two quotes, these two quotes from pagan philosophers, in him we live and move and have our being. It's quote number one. Quote number two is for we are indeed his offspring. And so Paul introduces those two quotations, and he from there he reasons for those things to be true. In other words, for us to live and have our being in God, and for us to be God's offspring, for us to proceed from God, for us to be created, he asks, what things uh, would we expect if that were true? Or we could say, since that is true, because we know that we are created by God. Uh, Paul argues that only the God of the Bible fits this description. He cannot be an idol made with hands. And Paul refutes their paganism with a presuppositional argument. What Paul is saying is you have an inconsistent belief. You are saying that we proceed from God, and yet you are saying that God is an idol that you can make with your hands. That's incompatible. That's inconsistent. And so who fits uh, the description of uh, what your own poets are saying? Uh, only the God of the Bible. Now, what I want to do uh, at this point is I've given two um, two biblical examples of some presuppositional arguments, and I kind of want to cut past a little bit of the terminology. I, I don't want the terminology to trip us up, and I hope, and if you were part of that uh, four-part series, if, if that's the case for you, feel free to to come and ask me questions. And if you're listening to this, feel free as well. Uh, always uh, open to, to feedback and interaction. But I, I do want to cut past the terminology a little bit. And I want to give really two reasons why I think this is the way that we ought to defend the faith. And uh, we really could go back to biblical examples uh, that we have. But I want to go to two, two other reasons that I think that... Uh, this is the way that we are to defend the faith, ultimately. The first reason is because in the ultimate sense, we don't need to prove God or his word to anybody. In the strictest meaning of the word, there are no true atheists. Everyone believes in God. I'm not saying everyone trusts in God, but that everyone believes in the existence of God. The classic text for that, uh, as you are aware, is Romans 1, verses 18 through 23. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. In other words and this is important, the Christian has an ally with the unbeliever's conscience. 
presuppositional apologetics recognizes this reality, whereas the other schools of apologetics do not. Other apologetic methods try to prove God from the ground up. Presuppositional apologetics leans into Scripture, and it assumes the truth of Scripture from the very beginning, and it assumes that the person you're talking with already does believe in God. This is actually a huge relief to the Christian because you can be confident in the power of the word rather than the power of persuasion. Classical and evidential apologetics are are complicated systems that require a significant amount of dedication and study, and it's typically a, a process where you first take someone to acknowledge the existence of a generic deity, and then you try to get to the Christian God. Instead, presuppositional apologetics trust that God's word is reliable to convert and convince a soul. It depends on the word to do the work, knowing that the person already believes in God, whether they admit that or not. According to Romans 1, people who deny God are those who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And you can't suppress something that you don't know. Uh, you know it, and then you suppress it uh, after you know it. It's been imprinted uh, on our hearts and on our consciences. The second reason I believe uh, presuppositional apologetics is a way to go is that since Christ has all authority, all truth claims must start with him and his word. Other apologetic methods will appeal to other sources of authority as higher than God's word. Presuppositional apologetics stands on the authority of the word through and through. Colossians 2, 1 through 4. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have, who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, and then here it is, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Other methods will say, we know God's word is true because this outside source proves it. Now, outside sources can be confirmatory. They they can confirm the truth of God's word. But if we say that outside sources ultimately prove the Bible, then we have really placed that as more authoritative than Scripture. Presuppositional apologetics does not leave the word out of the equation. It uses the Bible. It does not apologize in quoting or referencing Scripture when reasoning with an unbeliever. In short, it's biblical. And I'm convinced that, broadly speaking, the church today does not believe in the power of the gospel. We have veered away from the simplicity of the word and our confidence in it to convert us all. We have to add all these things on it, and those additions only serve to diminish the hope of the message itself. God's word is enough, and we need to believe that not just in our preaching and our teaching and our Bible studies and our theology, but we also need to believe that God's word is sufficient even in the area of apologetics. It's sufficient in the, in the realm of being able to convert, in fact, especially sufficient to convert a soul. And so the call for us, I think, really is to return to the simplicity of the word, trust in that to do its work like God said that it would. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com.